Hello, everybody. Just a very quick one about Instagram. If you're on it, Meta, the parent company, is reducing the number of political posts visible to users on their feed. This is a real thing, not a hoax. So go to your Instagram profile, tap the three horizontal lines in the top right corner to open the settings tab, scroll down to what you see, click on content preferences, open political content, and turn on don't limit political content. That's an option. Otherwise, you won't see almost anything we post because we are deemed political. Please do that now or you won't even see the posts about our shows, our fun things. So if you want to see Guilty Feminist content and know when we're coming to a place near you, releasing a new podcast, do it now. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm a feminist, but I met a man last week who told me he couldn't cook, and that made me happy, because that's my job. (laughs) I am an excellent cook. I won't stand for people coming onto my territory. Now, this is one I got off Twitter from someone called Amy Mulready, and I thought it was so good I wanted to use it on the show. So Amy Mulready says, I'm a feminist, but I just found out there is a board game called Marrying Mr. Darcy... And I am worryingly keen to play and win that game. I'm a feminist, but on the morning after my 36th birthday, I put on a tracksuit, some very immature-looking trainers, and a baseball cap, went to the supermarket and bought a bottle of rum, because I knew they'd ID me. (laughs) (laughs) And they did. (laughs) be nice I'm a feminist but this weekend I offered to take my 12 year old goddaughter shopping for makeup and clothes and she only wanted books and stationery (laughs) and I was so proud of her but also a tiny bit disappointed not to get to visit the makeup store I'm a feminist but when I went on a date with a man (laughs) with unshaved legs When I went back to his place, I chickened out. But don't worry, I went to his bathroom and used his razor. (laughs) And then it was fine. (laughs) I hope he doesn't listen to this, because he's going to be like, oh my God, (laughs) I shouldn't use this razor anymore. (laughs) Checking out his bick. (laughs) Wasn't meant to be rude. (laughs) I'm a feminist, but I met a Canadian man the other day. And the first thing I asked him was, 
what's it like to be governed by Justin Trudeau? <laughs> like to get up every day and discover that Justin makes the rules. <laughs> and you have to abide by them. Because I think if I were Canadian right now, I'd be aroused all the time. Just like knowing. Justin could make a new law any day. And I'd slightly want to break that law just a little bit, just to see what Justin would do. Do they have Prime Minister's questions in Canada? Oh, Could you imagine? You every imagine? Wednesday afternoon, go into your quiet must space. Do. We must yeah. be able to find those on the internet. Yeah. Let's find out if he does PMQ. And imagine see. what the questions are. So, Justin. They're like blind I don't think date they start questions. with so, Justin. <laughs> I, think, I think there's a sort of would the honourable gentleman. I think they still must oh. have something like that. I don't know. It's probably not honourable gentleman in Canada, but it's probably like, you know, good pal. <laughs> the honourable buddy. Honor, it's probably like that. Honourable mate. Mm, yeah. yeah. I'm not that into him myself. Like, really? Well, not physically. Well, then we won't. And politically. No, well, no. if we ever run into him in a bar, then he's mine. <laughs> this is sorted. I'm safe to go out drinking with you. Live from the Roundhouse in London, the Spontaneity Shop presents The Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis White, guest co-host Zinica Breno, and very special guest, Roisin talking about doing your best but being a mess. Please welcome to the stage to open the show, Maz O'Connor. I want to be thin, but I want to be free. I'm jealous of her, and she's jealous of me. I feel like a fighter. I don't want to be a fighter. I want to be the woman you see on the cover of the magazine.
Thank you so much, Maz. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about you? Yeah, uh, my name is Maz O'Connor. I'm from London. And uh, yeah, I'm a singer-songwriter. And you're the first audience that has ever found that funny. But I understand that it's probably confusing because it's a comedy show. It's actually, it's, actually a, it's about like kind of eating disorders, but they laughed, yeah, but it's fine. Um, I apologise for my audience, and I mean, comedians do create audiences in their own image. I can only say it's my fault, not theirs. I don't know what to tell you. They stopped quite soon, because it got, it got quite laugh, intense. Did they think it was a Victoria Woods song? I think maybe. And yeah. then they were like, oh, this is, hold on a minute, no, this is sad. Sad face, form, form your face into a sad face. As far as I was not, are we in the right show? I think we might be in the wrong show. As it's the guilty feminist. Well, Maz, thank you so much. It was a beautiful song and a beautiful sentiment behind it. Thank you so much for coming thank and singing. You, and where can we find it on the internet? Yeah, you can get that song on iTunes. I've got a band camp. I'm all over the internet. It's quite scary, really, when you think about it. But I'm very easily found. So uh, please oh, go I find know. me. I know. Tell me about it. Seriously, too easily found. But to be honest, there's not much really to find because I tell it all every week because I need material. So really, anything the tabloids could find on me at this point has already been dissected quite heavily in my own show. Oh, already, what, what do they want? Pictures? I don't know. Um, so thank you very much, Maz. Thank you for coming. And we'll see you at the end of the show to close the show. Maz O'Connor! This is The Guilty Feminist, the podcast in which we explore our noble goals as 21st century feminists and the hypocrisies and insecurities which undermine them. Hello, Athena Cableno. How are you? I'm very well. How are you, Deborah Francis White? You know what? I'm great. I'm loving that I'm at the Roundhouse. There's always a man in that seat. It's really weird. The front row is always women and there's always one man. What made you think front row out of interest? No, I genuinely want to know. This is not... Oh, oh you're with, are you saying don't speak, don't make direct eye contact with him? No, no, he's like, no, I'm genuinely interested in the psychology of it. Do you listen to the podcast, sir? No? <laughs> Seems happy about that. Just say yes. <laughs> Just say yes. Hmm? What's your name? Brandon. Brandon. Okay, so at the end of the show, I'll come to you and say, Brandon, will you listen to The Guilty Feminist now? And we'll see. And I want you to be honest and truthful with me, Brandon, and I feel that you will be. <laughs> He really does have the confidence of a tall white man. You look tall, Brandon. Are you tall? Brandon, six foot. He's sure of himself. He's not listening to any podcast he doesn't want to listen to. And nor will he be lying about that to spare someone else's feelings. Can I just say something? There is a man just behind Brandon. (laughs) Who looks so happy. Who looks ecstatic. Yeah. He's there going, yeah, man. I see you. The man behind Brandon, who's like, I'm the man behind Brandon. <laughs> Brandon is my human shield. <laughs> what do you do, Brandon? CFO, Chief Financial Officer of a company. It's good. No, it's good, Brandon. It's good. These things, we need these things to keep the world going round. The CEOs, the CFOs, the COOs, the, all of the big Cs. We need them. We need them to keep the world going around. I mean, there'd be no capitalism if there wasn't CFOs. It's important, Brandon. It's important. It's good. Are you single, Brandon? Are you? Oh. Brandon is single and wealthy and six foot. And girls, he's at a feminist podcast. I want to objectify Brandon. (laughs) 
Are you, are you interested in dating at the moment, Brandon? Just out of interest. Because the rest of you can go, to be honest. I think. So today's theme is doing your best but being a mess. That is our... That you just... Sometimes I think it's really easy to feel, as a feminist, that you should be on top of things and that a feminist would be organised. A feminist would be somehow... I think it's hard to get the basics right when you're trying to change the world. That is the problem. Like, you want to dismantle the patriarchy, but then it's like, oh my God, you want to iron your sheets? I'm a sheet ironing person. FYI. Are you? Yeah. Which is, but I've got better things to do, right? But they're, when they're piling up and, I'm just, and I keep losing my socks, <laughs> I keep losing them. I'm so. I just struggle with it all. I just struggle with all of that. I feel like I need a nanny. Like, I feel like I need somebody to organise my life because I'm so disorganised. I liked it when I lived at home and my mum did all that stuff. Well, that, yeah, that's sort of what I mean by a nanny. For me, yeah. So like She's... I don't post on social media that much, but when I do, like if I put a picture on Facebook, it's a nice one. Or it's like, oh, I'm in Sydney having breakfast or something like that. And I think people do sometimes think that my life is together. And to those people, I say, the day before last, I lay in my Pilates class (coughs) weeping. I was actually crying in Pilates. And I was just looking at my stomach and how it had changed. And I know we were meant to be body positive, but I just looked at it and went, it's not like nice and not nice it is nice it's still nice it's lovely and nice it's so nice it's nice and soft now whereas before it was nice and it was sort of had like I could see the muscles because I was doing loads of Pilates and yoga I was taking my body somewhere we were going somewhere together and I just felt like it's gone somewhere without me (laughs) and so I was lying in Pilates crying about my stomach and just going, this is terrible. If anyone sees me crying and they know I'm the guilty feminist who's meant to be body positive, then I look like a great big hypocrite. So I was like racked with guilt that I felt bad about my own body in a terrible cycle. Can I say the last time I cried? Yeah. So basically, I kind of look after my mum. She lives alone and uh, we had to get a plumber around. And the plumber, was, uh, he just said, I'll be there in the morning which is fine. When you're paying the what I pay, you just take that as a time. So I got in my car. I showed up to my mum's house. I didn't have breakfast because I was a little bit late. So I was a bit hungry. But I was like, doesn't matter. My mum will have peanut butter and I'll have peanut butter on toast. And I get there and the plumber's already waiting outside. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God, thank God he's here. I was a bit stressed. Uh, so I let him in. He got to work. And then I go to the kitchen and my mum's got no peanut butter. And I burst into tears. <laughs> It's ridiculous, but I I think there was a lot of stress in my life up to that point, and for some reason, I was driving along the North Circular, on my way to my mum's house going, oh, blimey, that peanut butter's going to taste delicious. Mm. And genuinely true, when I got there and realised she'd had to go to some appointment and not let the plumber in, and then he had to get set up, and he was giving me an odd time, and then there was no peanut butter. I I know. Marmalade. Yeah, no, we've definitely got the part about no peanut butter. It's, it's, uh, it's, 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 Brandon, would you open my water? Because I'm about to cry because I can't open my water. And I'm a feminist, but I can't, I can't open the water. Thank you. Thank you, Brandon. (laughs) Sorry, but evolution gave you better upper body strength than me. Please welcome to the stage, Deborah Francis-White. being a mess I can't I'm actually wrapped it in the microphone cord <laughs> so um there's been a couple of times in my life where I felt like such a mess that I've tried to do something about it that I've tried to sort of stuff 
the sort of emotional genie back into the bottle somehow or another by getting therapy. So this was quite a few years ago. I had a big emotional event coming up, something that I knew I wasn't coping well with, and I was just stressing about it all the time. And I thought, what I need is an hour a week where I can just focus on this thing and just put this into this box of an hour a week. I'll go and have therapy. So I chose my therapist based on location (laughs) because I just knew if it was a tube right away, it was not going to happen. And the first thing I said was, look, I need strategy. I need strategy and help. There's a big thing I've got coming up. I can talk all the day long. It's not one of these ones where I talk and you listen because I just can't talk. I can talk all the time. I'm a stand-up comedian. That is basically therapy where you never wait to hear the answer. Um, <laughs> I said, I need strategy. Are you a sort of therapist that can do strategy? I don't want one of those sitting and listening ones. And she went, oh, yeah, yeah, I can do strategy. I can do strategy. I said, great, great, great. And uh, we committed to six sessions. She said, the thing is, you can't be early. You can't be early because in my home, you see, it's a, it's a room in my home, so there's no waiting. There's no waiting area. So you can't be early because if you're early, you have to wait outside. And you can't be late because it doesn't respect the session. You need your full 50 minutes. Otherwise, it doesn't really respect the session, doesn't respect you, doesn't respect me. So you can't be early, you can't be late. <laughs> Which in London is, you know, is a challenge. So the first few days, too frightened to be late, I was early. And you're standing out the front of somebody's house in the rain. <laughs> And the first day, she just let me talk. But that's fair enough, because especially if you've had a weird life like me, you need to give the therapist context. Because you can't just say, like, you know, as you know, probably if you've listened to this show, you won't know this, Brandon, but um, (laughs) I used to be a Jehovah's Witness. And you can't say uh, to a therapist, you know how it is when you have to wake up really early on a Sunday morning to go and knock on other people's doors (laughs) to tell them that their life is going to soon be over and the impending doom is in the form of a fiery apocalypse and they're eyes we plucked out by birds unless they listen to the bible and convert and then they pull out a shotgun and walk you down a rural driveway and see you off their property you know when that happens because they don't know nobody knows you don't know now you're not really laughing because you're like no we don't relate to this it's very difficult it's very difficult if you've had a weird life to make anybody else relate to it So the first couple of sessions sort of was me contextualising and filling her in up until now. But she really wasn't saying anything. She was just doing that sitting, staring thing, which I had very specifically said I did not want. (laughs) So in the fourth session, after shivering in the rain out the front of her house, I came in and I sat down and I thought, I'm not saying anything. And she looked at me and she was like, well, I'm not saying anything. And I was like, well, I'm not saying anything. She was like, well, I'm not saying anything. And this went on, I swear to you, for five minutes. We just sat and stared. And I was like, I'm paying, so I'll sit and stare at you for 50 minutes, as far as I'm concerned. And eventually she went, so how have you been this week? And I went, well, yeah, no, all right, all right. But I still, I've just got this big thing coming up, as I've told you, and I I really need strategy to, you know, I, I need some advice, really. I need some advice on how to handle it. And she said, well, what advice would you give yourself? And I was like, well, terrible advice, clearly, because my life is a mess, because I'm miserable. The kind of advice I would give myself if it was any good, I would already be fixed. Clearly, I don't have any good advice for myself. That's why I'm paying you, a professional who has apparently gone and got degrees, that you can give me advice. What is this? What advice would you give yourself? That is literally like going to a personal trainer and them just staring at you and just going, "Mm." (laughs) have you got any, because I want to get fitter, so have you got well, what would you do if you wanted to get fitter? (laughs) So I'd probably get on the treadmill. Mm. Why don't you try that? Well, what should I do now? Well, what would you do if you wanted to turn it on? Why don't you try that? I don't feel any fitter. Well, 
what would you think would be the next? Turn it up? Yeah, turn it up. That is therapy. Therapy is like a personal trainer who makes you do the work, but you're paying them. So eventually, week six, I said to her just outright, do you have any strategy for me? Because I've got this big thing coming up. She said, I don't really do strategy. And I was like, no, no. I was so angry. And I was like, well, that's it for me in therapy. She said one insightful thing the whole time I was there, literally in six weeks. And I was like, never doing therapy again. But then a few years later, I was coming to a crossroads in my life where I was actually quite miserable. I was broke. I'd been on the cusp in show business for a long time. And I don't know if anyone else has ever been in the arts or anything like that, but it's really easy to get onto the cusp. It's so easy to get onto the cusp. And you think, oh my God, I'm on the cusp of greatness. But the cusp is endless. You can live on the cusp forever. Ever, ever, ever. And then, when you get up to the next level, it's always another cusp. And there's people up there with sticks going, fuck off, it's our cusp. It's like, the cusp, there's endless cusps in show business. So I'd been on this one particular cusp for a very long time and there was no sign. And I just thought, I've just got to heave myself up to that next cusp at least or get out. And I thought, am I going to have kids or am I not going to have kids? You know, because I was coming to that age where I was like, I've really got to decide about kids. I've got no money. My career's cuspy. I just generally feel shit about everything. I just don't know what I'm going to do. I'm going to go and have some therapy. So again, I based geographically, but I was prepared to travel a little bit further for someone I thought was going to be a little bit more helpful. And do you know what she said? She said, well, yes, um, the thing is you can't arrive early because it's my private home. And you can't arrive late because that doesn't respect the session. She said, so come to this address. And she said, you'll know it because it's got Corvette and a brand new Mini on the driveway. So I got there. I had to stand there early in front of the Corvette and the Mini in the rain. Then eventually it's like, you can't come through the front door. I I rung the front front door. You can't come through the front door because you'll wake the baby. Of course you will. And so you have to walk around the side. And I had to walk around the side. And then I went back. It was this back room. It was like a rumpus room for kit, like a sort of family room. And it had things in it like a pool table and a sort of full-size fish tank. The kind of things you only buy if you've bought all really good versions of everything everyone else has got. And now you need something else to spend your money on that no one else has got. And so I went into this room and she sat there and... She was in this beautiful little outfit, like dress above the knee with tights and patent leather boots. I'll never forget the boots. Shiny patent leather boots from Russell and Bromley or somewhere. And she sat there and she said, well, yes, I'm working at home now because I used to have a surgery and you know, but now I work at home because I've got the baby. You know, we've got two older children, 10 and 12. And then we thought, are we going to have another one? We thought, well, it's now or never, it's now or never, isn't it? It's now or never. And I sat there going, yes, it's now or never, it's now or never. But it's now or never. So we thought, it's now or never. So we'll have another one. And I thought, it's now or never, but you've got two perfectly good other ones who are old enough to walk and talk on their own, and now you're having another one. And she was like, yeah, well, we thought it's now or never, now or never, now, now or never, yes, now, now, now or never. It's very much the song that my beating heart is playing. And she was like, but what's great about working from home is that the nanny can take care of the baby. And then I can just sort of pop in between sessions and have cuddles. And I think that's really the secret of success, isn't it? Sort of that balance between work that you really want to do and sort of real cuddles and love. You know, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is the secret of success. I'm sure it's the secret of success and happiness. It's just lovely. I'm thinking of having a baby, but I just don't know if I'd be able to cope with that. Oh, you should have a baby. You should have a baby. Well, I'm just really worried about money and like how I would do it. Well, I mean, you really, it's really ideal if you've got your career sorted first. Is it? Is it? <laughs> It's ideal if you've got a career sorted first. That's what I would do. I would get my career sorted first, but then I wouldn't tarry on the baby front because I think a combination of work that you love and cuddles from a baby is the sort of ideal route. Is it? Is it? I said, but sometimes I run out of milk and loo paper and am I fit to be a mother? Well, you can't do that, of course, if you've got a baby. No shit. Thank you. Thank you. 
every week I felt shitter and shitter and shitter. Basically, it was like Dante had created a whole new level of hell that was the life I wanted, made me go in there and sit and stare at it while the other me told me how great life was because she'd been better at planning and hadn't had a fucked up beginning bit. I was just like, what is this? This is terrible. Anyway, I thought, no, see it through, see it through, see it through. Week six, I thought, no, I will go. It's the last one. I'm not going back after this. I've committed to six, but I'm not going back after this. But I really didn't want to go. And then I woke up in the morning and I had the flu. And I just thought, no, not doing it. So I rang her up and said, I'm really sorry. I'm not going to come. I've got the flu. And she could hear my voice. I had the flu. And I said, I don't want to give it to you and your baby. Don't want to bring it germs into your perfect house. <laughs> Ruin it. So I won't come. She said, well, the thing is, you haven't given me 24 hours notice. And you really do need to give you 24 hours notice or you need to pay. And I was like, okay, I'll send you the money. And then I hung up. And I thought, well, she's probably not going to actually worry about that because she's got more money than God, clearly. And while obviously she couldn't book another client in, that was an extra hour that she could cuddle her baby and drive her Corvette around the block. <laughs> I don't know, stroke her fucking fish tank, play pool. I don't know, whatever the fuck she does. And I thought, I've given you the gift of an hour with your baby there, really. I haven't had the session. So, and you know that I've got money troubles, so you're probably not going to charge me for that. You're probably not. You're probably not. And fair enough. You know, she didn't know. She did. She sent me a solicitor's letter. Now, <laughs> she sent, actually sent me an email saying, never in my life have I ever had to chase a client uh, for money and it was 50 quid, I think. And she had never had to do that. And I wrote back and said, and you haven't had to do it this time because I put it in the post yesterday, as you will see from the postmark. Bitch! <laughs> it's not how you're meant to talk about your therapist. <laughs> so then I started a podcast. And I would recommend that because I get to talk about my problems every week. <laughs> and I will say, you're nicer than any therapist. Thank you very much. <laughs> it's time to get our guest on you may know her from man down you may know her from all sorts of other fabulous television shows uh, that she's appeared on but if you don't you should definitely know her from game face put your hands together and make big guilty feminist woohooing noises for roisin canati Is it Conaty? It's Conaty. Like, like, like comedy. Oh, that's yeah. good. I knew. I sort of thought I was getting it wrong. So I'll do it again for the edit. I quite like it though. Canati. It makes. I think it makes me sound a bit more regal. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave it then. We'll leave it. <laughs> You know when you compare as well, if you ever do this, sometimes when you compare gigs and if you, you know, like, mm. someone you just don't know, you've forgotten, you're on stage, you're like, hey, welcome to the stage. And they're like half a mile away, you're like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> and I do just relentlessly go, louder, louder, louder. <laughs> just sort of go, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> so you basically make them cheer so loudly no one can hear that you haven't said that. And the comments just sort of go, did you just say Dave? Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So your show, Game Face, so anybody who doesn't know, who hasn't seen it, it's on Channel 4 and if you're listening internationally, uh, you can probably get it through Hulu or it's something on Hulu like that. in the States yeah, on yeah. Hulu in America it's a sitcom and it's about a young woman called Marcella youngish youngish woman <laughs> called Marcella she had a long term partner he left her and immediately married the next woman he met um, a girl he knew for six days in Vegas six days in Vegas <laughs> he met somebody else and this has left her broken hearted she's having a lovely little flirt with her driving instructor and her family life is a bit convoluted her working life she's on the cusp she's on an actor cusp, who's yeah. on the cusp and she sees a therapist. Yeah, um, life coach. Life coach. That her mum got her uh, through Groupon. <laughs> <laughs> so she doesn't even get the full deal. Like, he's, 
you know, she's getting like that Groupon deal. Um, yeah. I told you about my two therapy ones, but I did have a lovely life coach. Only on the phone, I never met her. And I was obsessed with something at that time. I had something really troubling me, and I would just ring her up, talk about that obsessively, never really let her get a word in edgeways. But she was really good. She was really on my side. She was really supportive. This is a life coach. Yeah, life yeah. coach. And she was really on my side, and she was basically told You're me. You're paying what I her though, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> life coach like oh shut up <laughs> come on mate pull your finger out like, listen I've, I've got friends for this <laughs> I've got a best mate who's going to call me a div like, I just... <laughs> I, but that was my experience of the therapist they weren't on my side they were always sort of tutting and rolling their eyes and looking at me in a judgy way it's like reverse psychology isn't it or something. is it yeah it's they're shit. trying to make you feel like that. honestly it eroded my self esteem that second one who the really rich one yeah. she really eroded my self-esteem because I just thought you are everything that I probably should be. I had the very similar, but I actually really liked mine. So I've been in therapy. I recommend it to everyone. But I do think you have to find, I think it's like dating a bit at the beginning. You can't just mm. be like, this is the first one. Like when my dad died years ago, I went to a therapist. He died quite suddenly. <laughs> and no word of a lie. Like if it was in a script, you'd be like, bring that down. That's madness. No one acts like that. <laughs> uh, I went to a problem. <laughs> she had hair past her like, waist down to like her knees, all flattened out. Uh, and she was sitting on a sofa with a, just a massive cat that she stroked. Oh, and she I was, was like, the Blofeld of yeah, and I was like, this is honest. This is like she did that thing that people do. A lot of people do it in um, what real problem? But I'm trying not to like yoga worlds or new age. They whisper quite a lot. They do mm. soft talking to show how how much they've you know how spiritually enlightened they are now. <laughs> just, I don't have to project. I'm just good with it, you know. And you're like fucking speak. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like I've got, to, I'm really trying to be better with it because I, you yeah. know, I just, but it really. <laughs> <laughs> I know exactly. You know, I mean, and they like, say we. Yeah. They say, how are we today? And when we, <laughs> you know, awk for me instead of please. Yeah. Could you just pop your shoes off for me? Oh, that's for you. Yeah. <laughs> right. What are you going to do with them? Do you want them? What do you mean for you? Oh, fuck it, out. Don't ask, say for me. What do you mean for me? Could you just turn around for me? Could you just lie down for me? <laughs> It's like, well, if it's for you, no, because I'm paying. If it's for me, sure. Yeah. <laughs> but my but, last therapist was really good, I think. And she, but I also, I became obsessed with her I, in my head exactly like you. It's amazing how much we, because I felt like when I explained to her, this is in my head, none of this has been said, but like, you know, you're making very gross generalizations about the, you know, her house, how she's sitting and like my sort of taste in men. And sometimes she'd pull a slight face or like things, like I felt like I was explaining to someone why I eat shit. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? She was like, oh, why do you eat shit? You know, like, and I just felt like you look like you've never made a bad choice in your life. So, you know, it's quite hard to explain to someone why you eat shit if they've never eaten shit. Uh, so I was a bit like, I need a shit eater for a therapist who can at least from the beginning be like, I get it, you're in the eating shit stage. I'll be your therapist. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then I sort of said to her one, I just said, I went, have you got a really nice kitchen? And she was like, sorry, what? I was like, I've got to say this in my head. I'm obsessed. I think you've got an amazing kitchen. I've got, I'm obsessed with like having this kitchen. You know, like you have the thing in your life the markers that if you mm. get it you're like then I'll be happy yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I go to bed at night going yeah, just planning out this kitchen <laughs> in my fucking shithole of a bedroom yeah but it, you know I think it is like dating you do have to sort of meet a couple I don't think you if it's not right if you've got all that but who's you know, got the time to be dating therapists <laughs> I just don't know there's no tinder for therapists they expect you to sign up for a period you go for six weeks, you feel worse. It's like, it's, imagine if on Tinder you had to have six dates. If at the end of that six dates, you'd then never want to date anyone again because you've been forced to have six dates. 
I do think that the amount of money that you spend trying to get out of your head or trying, like, you know, like when you think, you know, how many nights have you done like espresso martinis and, you know, like, or literally junk food or whatever, the money that we throw at us, you know, when you sort of go, that deal with it. <laughs> just two nights on red wine, sure. You know, like, and that's the end of my heartache. Uh, <laughs> take my phone. Um, so, <laughs> I think, so you go in there and you're sort of like, well, of course I know that. That's obvious. So, you know, they're like, we're obviously angry about that. You're like, is that, is that your input? <laughs> I know. I'm angry about it. I just t- t- fucking ranted for 20 minutes saying I'm angry about it. <laughs> like, I don't That's need you to my see... experience with yeah. her. I think like... one in 10 sessions, I had like an aha moment, to quote Oprah, my hero, my legend. Mm-hmm. But like, I did. I'd have like a like, what, what have you done, you wizard? Like, yeah. <laughs> I'd leave there a bit like, witch. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was always when we were talking about something innocuous, you know, it'd be something like it was never mm. like the big, you know, you go in and you go, I want to talk about this. Let's fix me. <laughs> it'd always be like talking about something ridiculous, like an Amazon parcel being late. And then by the end of the <laughs> yeah. you know, some... Oh, the note running out of peanut butter moment. Yeah. God, yeah. That's yeah. the revelation about that. who you really are. Yeah. It's Deborah Francis-White briefly interrupting your podcast listening. We have a special project on for the suffragette centenary in 2018. If you are a woman who writes and performs hip-hop, especially a woman of colour, and you would like to get involved, it is a paid project, and we're looking for people as soon as possible uh, for one writer and also some performers. If you're someone who loves The Guilty Feminist and ideally someone who knows and loves Hamilton, then if you could get in touch with us at guiltyfeminist at gmail.com, we would love to hear from you. Ideally, with a sample of your work, a link to something that you've done, that would be fantastic. If you're interested in a paid project with The Guilty Feminist for the centenary of the suffragettes, we've also got some dates coming up for some new shows. We've just put on sale some shows in London on the 7th and 28th of May at King's Place. We will also be in Adelaide in Australia on the 24th of February. And we will be in Melbourne at the Cooper's Malt House on the 1st and 2nd of March. We will also be at the Sydney Opera House on the 4th of March. There'll be two shows. So if the first show is sold out, keep checking back. And the second show, the later show that day, will go on sale very soon. I hope to see you at a live show soon. There'll be a special edition of The Guilty Feminist on Christmas Day. We do hope you enjoy it. In the meantime, everybody have a wonderful, wonderful holiday and a fantastic 2018. Big love from The Guilty Feminist. How's it going, guys? We good? Yes. I'm happy to inform Brandon that I am single as well. I've been single for over about a year and a half now. Thanks for the sympathy. So, <laughs> being single is hard. I've got a twin brother. Okay, we actually both separated from our partners at the same time. He separated from his girlfriend. I separated from my boyfriend. And I was like, this is great. He got a new girlfriend like two weeks later. Uh, this is unacceptable because like I was better at him at school right so I expected to that continue that into my adult life but he's a bit better at being an adult you know he found all of his girlfriends he brings home my mum likes them they look like long-term things all of my boyfriends are a mess which makes me a mess because you know you really want to be with someone that you want to have a long-term relationship I think if you want children long-term the person I broke up with it was kind of a messy split because he changed his mind about wanting children 
right? Which is a strange thing to change your mind about, isn't it? Like when I met him, he was like, oh yeah, I'd like eight children. Which is a bit much, isn't it? Like you don't even need the staff these days. You, you don't need eight children. Just get a dishwasher. It's fine. It's fine. But he went from eight children to zero. That's like changing your mind from being a cat person to a dog person. You don't change your mind about those kind of things, right? Because you're either a cat or a dog person. Right, Brandon? Your house is burning down. You've got a cat and a dog. What gets saved? I'd save my mum. But that's all right, Brandon. <laughs> but you don't change your mind about that kind of thing, man. Um, I've started to date recently. I don't know what it is, if I'm being fussy or if the men I'm attracting just aren't right for my needs. Like, I once went out on a date not too long ago and the guy was late and he came running into the bar and he was like, we can't stay, you've got to pay for parking here. You know, what am I supposed to say to that? I'm a professional person. I do actually have um, a day job as a contractor. I've got an evening job as a stand-up comedian. And I think the problem is, because I'm doing okay in my day job, because I'm doing okay in my evening job, I don't have time to do okay in my personal life. It basically means I'm a mess because I'm not a mess. <laughs> this makes no sense, right? So this is the problem. Because my brother just goes to work and does nothing else, he's got time to do his paperwork, sort out his invoices, hang up his pictures, do his iron in, you know? But I don't have time to do that. I'm too busy trying to chase the cusp, <laughs> which I've now learned is never ending. <laughs> right? Well, that's a very stressful thing. I think the more you've got going on in your life, you don't realise how well you're doing because you don't stop to think. Do you know I mean, I don't have time to stop to think, though. I don't even have time to wait on escalators. <laughs> you have no idea how stressful I find it when the walking side... Turns into a stand inside, right? What is this? And that means it's maybe not my life that's a mess. Maybe it's just the way that I'm looking at my life, right? But then I do feel like I'm a mess because, you know, I'm, I am 36. I would like to meet somebody. I would like to settle down. But I don't know how to do that, okay? I could do that by meeting men at the front rows of, of gigs. <laughs> of gigs that I do. That's an option. I could do that by continuing to date online. I could do that by um, getting my mum to... Just hook me up with someone in her, at her church. But then what happens is you meet guys and you don't judge them for their personality. Like, are they kind? Are they caring? Do, are, <laughs> do they have my shoes? <laughs> I'm, thinking, I'm thinking about, you know what? I wonder if he's got points in his driving licence. <laughs> because when we all know that when you add additional names to your insurance... You get cheap insurance, guys. I'm thinking, you know what? This is a nice guy, but is he the kind of guy that would change his religion in order to allow our child to get into the best school? <laughs> there is a great Catholic school <laughs> in my area. It might be where it outstanded by Ofsted. I think... <laughs> I think I have mummy issues. You're supposed to have daddy issues, but I have mummy issues because my mum's amazing and I want to give her the life that she wanted and she always wanted to be a grandparent, you know? But I'm 36, my twin brother's 36. We've given her no grandchildren. I've got a 48-year-old brother. I mean, he has lots of Star Wars toys. <laughs> <laughs> but no grandchildren, right? And I feel bad about it. In fact, she, uh, I'll end on this story because it's a sad story. She was telling me about a friend of hers that she thought was ignoring her. Okay, and I was like, she can't be ignoring you. Why don't you check out what she's doing on Instagram? Then I remembered my mum's 73. She doesn't use Instagram. 
you know what I mean? Like when you lie to someone about where you're going, sometimes if you walk down the street and you do see it yourself, but you'll take a picture, but even though you're supposed to be at your friend's wedding, right? My mum can't do that, but then one day she met this friend that she hadn't seen in a long time. Turns out this friend had a new grandchild. I know, right? And she just felt a bit bad because my mum had been moaning to her about not having grandchildren and she felt embarrassed about not having grandchildren. Now, first of all, I think it's a bit weird that my mum is talking about my reproductive system <laughs> with two of her friends. But then I thought to myself, this is, um, this is really stressful for me because while she was telling me this story, I thought to myself, I know what I can do to make her happy. I can just settle with the car parking guy. We'll, go, we'll, just, we'll just go to a place with a car park. We'll go Costa and Sainsbury's or something. <laughs> And we'll get on, and I should, I should just do this to make her happy, but I don't know, she never bought that Mega Drive. <laughs> and now look what you've got here. She wants something so she can fit in with her friends. <laughs> I, it's, so you know what? She should be really happy. She's got three lovely children who are successful professional people, and I'm not doing too bad, so our lives are not a mess, really. Just, just stand still on the escalator. It's all right, we'll get in it. <laughs> Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Do you feel like, as a feminist and as a woman, do you feel like that need to be, I've got to have it all sorted out, and do you feel like we hold ourselves up to higher standards if we identify as feminists? I think, yeah. I think... Um it's, it's, you know, the Sorry, was that an unfun question? No, no, it was like a good. I was, I was just trying to just make sure I answered it um, rather than just sort of. Sometimes I just start speaking and then it's like jazz for 10 minutes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I have to try and find the beat again. Like, there you go. <laughs> There's a question. Jump in. Um, so, <laughs> trying to be a bit more like, digest, speak. Um, it started out like a sonata <laughs> yeah. and I interrupted, panicked that it wasn't a good question. Yeah, it's a great question. I totally do. I don't think it's just women. I think in the world, on the biggest scale, a capitalist world, we're all made to fight for crumbs in a way that maybe it's got the worst it's ever been, you know, housing. Mm. You know, so just from the basic, from the top level down, you go, everything is like, ah, <laughs> we're like a house. You know, these mm. are things that, you know, 40, 50 years ago, if you had sort of a decent job, not like, you know, a millionaire, you could be like, maybe I'll buy a flat. <laughs> yeah. You know, and uh, so I think a lot of those things have gone. And it's women... And there's people who identify as feminists. I think it's huge because you always are judging yourself for wanting things, for not wanting things. And I get worried sometimes about how we try and govern ourselves. I don't like cognitive dissonance. Do you know what I mean? I don't think saying what you need, you think you should say rather than what you feel. Because what you feel is the truth. And you can still slag that off or have it. But I don't think saying a thing that you don't feel. It's like wanting kids. For a while, or like, so in the show, I felt it was really important that she wants a career, she wants a... But it being, wanting kids is sort of seen as a bit like, oh, you know, really? You know, in this world, you're going to bring that up in telly? You know, like, it feels a bit... Um, I do, I love the bit where the life coach says, what's your, what's your biggest fear? And she cuts to a fantasy of herself, like, in a hole, really old, 
And it's, she's got a magazine or something that says, you forgot to have kids, you stupid woman. Why didn't you have kids, you, stupid, didn't you have kids, you stupid woman? And she crawls out of the hole and Donald Trump is the king and climate change has ruined the world. But within this is like, and you forgot to have kids in this horrendous <laughs> nightmare, like you'd want them there, but it made me laugh a lot. Because I think that is... It's it, highly relatable, I think. And I think you're right. Fem- sometimes feminism can forget the sort of the personal side of like, that conflicts with the general making society better that you still have these personal pressures that they go alongside other quite emotional issues like obviously relationships you know so it all gets mangled up and you're trying to do the right thing but then you have an ambition that you don't necessarily have control over which is feminism it is a lot yeah. about control isn't it but you don't really have control over kids you meet someone you have them or you try and have them by yourself or you might not be able to have them which is you know which happens so you totally. can't even you don't even, you can't even want to have them because then it just might not happen so yeah it's just yeah. stressful time i think just having the freedom to not sometimes i feel like pretend that things that are important to me aren't important to me like you know like you, you know we've been showbiz when you're starting at gigging and you know like trying to that pretending to do well because you need to have it you, know, you need to have a blag all female yeah. comics are hustlers that's what we do we're like yeah i got 20 don't worry put me on the bill no worries <laughs> you've got like nine minutes and i like, hope i can do some banter uh, <laughs> you know that's sort of that's what you have to do the game has got no room for people like i'm not very good they're like really well bye then so you have to i think it's hard being alive isn't it really and it's hard knowing what to and also so to know the effect that you have on people as a woman and as a white woman, me, I feel like that's, you know, we all have to be aware. It's sort of kind of what, what the work you put out and the stuff you say. And we're in that time now where it can't just be like, which is my, so I've got that convoluting thing of like, say what you feel. And then also like, but you know, the world's listening. <laughs> yeah. <You know? laughs> that's actually a great mantra. Say what you feel, but remember the world is listening. Yeah. And you've got because a part in it. You're part of the culture. I think comedians sometimes have this thing where they're like, we're the people stand outside culture and comment mm. on it. And you go, we're culture makers as much yeah. as you know so I wouldn't ever normally say names should I say a name I think I might just because of the context I went to see just one woman wants to hear a name and uh, just, <laughs> it's just for you just for you stop me if either of you are friends and I'll take it back and say it without the name like hell I want to hear yeah. all of this um, I, no I want to talk a little bit about Jim Jeffries in this context yeah are you comfortable with me talking about Jim Jeffries yeah good okay so I went to see a Jim Jeffries show years ago in Edinburgh and a friend wanted to get tickets for something else they weren't available the box office said why not Jim Jeffries and this friend is someone I call a chartered feminist and I said Christina you got tickets for Jim Jeffries do you know who he is and she was like no 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 and I went okay well you're about to find out you bought the tickets mate so we went in and he had a joke it was actually do you know what I'm not going to tell you the joke it was really really awful it was a joke that was both horrible to women uh, disabled people fat people it was just horrible the whole thing was horrible and it really stuck with me it stuck to me as I left the theatre and I found it very difficult and recently he was making jokes on his now American television show which he has about Weinstein and he was saying well you know I might have told a few sexist jokes in my day but I mean they were all in good fun and basically then spent ages denouncing Weinstein and Weinstein culture and I actually tweeted him he didn't respond But I said to him, the thing is, you have co-created the culture in which women are other, women are sexualized, and women are completely judged based on their physicality. And the thing is now, what really kills me is that he is now the paid pundit of our pain. That's what kills me. Mm. The white guys who have contributed to this, who are now being paid to do jokes about it. And I thought, if you really are sorry for the things you've said in the past because you realise they weren't great, 
give your space up for one week to a woman. Say, yeah. women are taking over my show this week. Yeah. And you do the top and you do the tail. And you, and you usher women in, you say, they're getting my spot. Because actually, he's built that real estate on the backs of Weinstein culture. And now he's going to be paid to comment on it? Come the fuck on. So but that's just across the world, isn't it, at the moment? Like, women's, you know, our, we're, our news, finally they recognise us as humans and we make the main news. And so male comics who do their male, you know, nightly shows where they sort of say, here's the summary, you know, from a white male point of view. Um, and they're, you <laughs> Let's know... Let's summarise Weinstein yeah, from a straight white male But it's across the world and you really notice it because I don't think we as women and trans, but, you know, race, this all coming to the surface. There's a shift in consciousness. It's coming, it's the main stories. And so when you watch them deal with it and you go, oh, you really notice that they've never dealt with it before because it's not been their narrative. And you mm. go, wow, is this your opinion on that? doesn't feel like it suits you. This doesn't feel like it's a thing you've thought. Um, you know. <laughs> but you're thinking it now. Yes. Quickly, quickly think it. But I just think you need to feel, you know, you need to have, you know, those seats. You need, you know, women anchors. You need black anchors. You know, in this country, I know we've got Trevor Noah in a moment, we need people owning <laughs> their stories. Mm. You know, these are our stories. And this is, like you say, our pain. It's a lovely phrase. And it's sort of, it's weird that that is we haven't got people coming on like this show but it is like women are in and it's amazing this show and it's incredible and I think podcasts are you know in many ways a lot better way to experience you know subjects that are tricky and difficult rather than like do a tight five on you're like what this is a huge subject yeah you you need time to think about it and process it what I've been starting to say to male young comedians who see those older guys and then they're like I want to be edgy like him I've started saying, if you're not a very good comedian, what you say won't have much impact. No one will really remember the jokes or tell them. So it doesn't really matter what you say. Mm. But if you are a really good comedian, then your jokes have power. Yeah. And the things you're saying have power. So if the joke, for example, is making fun of rape victims rather than rape culture, then that's going to travel. And the men in the audience who uh, have raped or may rape will see everybody else laughing and they'll go, see, it's funny, it's endorsed, other people feel like this. So your jokes will have power if they're funny. So if you're funny, if you're good, you need to worry about what that power and influence is doing in the world. And if you're just an okay comedian, don't really worry about it, say whatever you want. And what I find is that men go, every time I've said this, oh, well, no, yeah, well, of course, I've got to sort of really consider that, yeah, because, of course, uh, course I'm, you know, I'm quite good. I mean, I've got four stars on Chortle, so I think I do need to worry a little bit more than the other guys about what I'm saying and the power that I do wield in the world and the influence that I have. Yeah, I might rethink that joke. I might rethink that one because I don't want people going out there and doing things that I wouldn't want them doing. No, good, good point, good point. And... It does play into the ego. I mean, I I wouldn't say it on here because I wouldn't want to give it away, except I know none of them are listening. (laughs) (laughs) Does anybody have a question? Oh, yes, there's somebody there. Pardon the accent. Um, Yeah, I... Just, it, I don't know if it's a question, just a comment that you can comment on. But for me, feminism did the other thing. So I had such high expectation on myself through my mother, for me, of being this perfect person uh, in career, in job, in whatever, with my partner and such. And since I've read more and discovered feminism at large, I've discovered that I had to be kind to myself and accept that this image of the perfect woman that you see in magazines, and I'm not in danger of having children myself now, but you can see that they're always super happy and motherhood seems the easiest thing to do and such. And so feminism helped me 
counter that image and understand that it's a marketed thing. And so instead, by being feminist, I agree that I am enough, mm. if it makes sense. So That's lovely. And, um, really nice. And never apologise for your accent, because it's beautiful, it's charming. Is it French? Yes, absolutely. I think Very put, much I so. think you're putting it on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. From yeah. Croydon. <laughs> I mean, that's a great way to make yourself feel better, put on a French accent. I mean, I mean, of course you're happy. Listen to your voice. Yeah. Um, I totally agree. I think that is the best part of feminism, is that, is that we're able to have that conversation. We're able to explicitly say, like, you know, Croydon Pilates or the stresses of being a woman. And also this time in society that you go, your brain is light years ahead going, this is pathetic. Why do I give a shit that I'm mm. this size? Or why have I got these petty things that like reducing myself down to such, you know, archaic ideas, but we were raised in them, you know? It's hard to shake all that off. It doesn't happen in a day. But then I think the feminism has brought it all out, all, all the toxicity out. You're like, oh, thank God. I don't have to carry yeah. that secretly, all that kind of, oh God, I'm disgusting, or I'm not good enough, or I'm not, you know, like, maybe I should not be so funny and just, you know, listen to men, <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> Like, when you're a yeah. funny girl when you're 14 in the 90s, like, everyone's yeah. like, she's mad. I'm yeah. not mad. I'm interesting. I want a retrial. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I know. I'm definitely happier since I've found feminism for that reason. I used to have a very odd, I think, when I was younger, like, view of what I should look like and be like and what perfection was. And this constant ruler up to myself that I was never, I was never going to... I'll tell you something. At King's Place at the moment, which is where we normally do the Guilty Feminist in London, they put these big billboards up of people who, you know, are coming to the venue. And I walked in the other day and they put one up of me for the Guilty Feminist and they put this really, really lovely picture up. But it's like a billboard, it's huge. But it's a lovely picture that I had taken probably two years ago. And I'm sort of standing with my hands on my hips, kind of looking fierce, like I'm in America's Next Top Model and trying to please Tyra with my face. And I've got this big winged hat and I looked at it and I was like oh no I can't live up to that at all I can't and I had this moment of going I'm sure my hips are bigger than when that was taken and they weren't small then and I was like just oh god and that doesn't matter I don't judge big hips on other people like I'm not looking at someone else's hips and going those hips are big or wrong or anything like that but just in that moment I thought I cannot live up to my own billboard and I can't do it and then I thought that's what billboards are they're just things no one can live up to even the people on them. Totally, and it's, it's the end of a time. We're still in the end of the time of the 90s, of nuts, you know, of all of that. We were soaked in misogyny, you know, and so you can't help but internalise that to have, have a thought and go, the fuck am I thinking? And I think seeing yourself on a billboard or seeing yourself in, you know, when I see myself on TV, like, you know, when I was like 14 and, you know, I've got big teeth and, and then you grow out of it because you're like, listen, I'm fine, did it? And then you see yourself for the first one on a 40-inch screen, you're like, oh, yeah, that is... <laughs> my teeth were fucked. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> Everyone's like, you've got lovely teeth. You know, like, yeah, I do actually and I'm really interesting and then <laughs> it's just you're like you know you're 29 years old you go ah, I should have got braces guys like you know and, but you know this is what I'm thinking I'm gonna have I got news for you Ian his office would go oh, I should have got braces do you know what I mean it's like that's internalised misogyny we preempt what people are gonna say about us because we know we're still judged like that and we're gonna get so it's a natural survival thing to go what are they gonna say what are they gonna say about me how is it mm. how am I gonna but we're be? judged for our looks like as a comedian you would have been introduced to the stage as they're beautiful yeah. and it's like just say my name what? You know, I'm, I'm yeah. not introduced that way. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I 
I've never once been called the this beautiful, the stunning, what? the stunning, maybe no. attractive. You have, you definitely yeah. have. Definitely. You have, trust no, me. It, An MC has introduced you as yeah. He's one of those people you go, funny. The word you're looking for is funny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're, like, you're shouting it, but you know. Yeah. Um, I've probably had lovely or yeah, those cozy words that basically say she won't be very funny, but. She's prettier than the boys yeah. type words that I get. I but think in 2004, I was flying for Bling Blush Bonk Me, Kerry Golly and Abbeville, and we had a photo. The photo I had was sort of like this, like a very. I'm thinking, oh, it's quite posed, isn't it? And I look really hot in it. And I was flying. I'm flying myself, and I'm this close to people. It's like what 2004. So it's like 13 years ago. Like I'm, I'm at peak. Uh, <laughs> I'm flying this. And this guy goes, oh, looks at me in the face, and goes, she's fit. Is she on it? <laughs> oh. And I went, yeah, yeah, she'll be there later tonight, I reckon. <laughs> like actually asking me, who's that girl? And I was wow. like, just sort of like, uh, me? <laughs> oh, oh <laughs> God. Oh, God. It's the worst. It's the worst. I don't know why we do it, really. Oh, you have a, do you have a question? Uh, the one recommendation I had was to read Dietland. If you want to get over how you look. Oh, that's an amazing Journey. book. Really? The fact it's a feminist issue really helped me. Oh, okay, so novel, it's a, right. You can't stop it. Dietland's right. about some radical feminists that catch and kill alleged rapists. And I'm all the, in. <laughs> and at the same time, a young woman who wants a gastric bypass because she wants to be thin and she starts to get messages. I've been wanting to do Guilty Feminist Book Club for a while where we say we're all going to read this book and then in it's a, a couple idea. of months later, anyone who's read the book sort of wants to come. Just uh, pretend you've read the book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just read the back. Yeah. Yeah. What's those notes you get at school? What York notes. The, York notes. <laughs> yeah. the cliff notes of The Handmaid's Tale. Yeah, yeah I was there, read it totally, yeah. Um, okay, I do have a question. Great. I want men to be part of the solution. So here's the thing. I watched a clip about three men. One of them was Drake, one of them was a Pakistani... A, mu- a musician and one was a rock band or something like that. Each man, each of them saw something happening while they were performing, stopped the concert and said, stop that. Leave her alone, don't touch her. Mm. It's her body, not yours. One got the bouncers to pull the woman out of, off, the, off the floor. That's what I want men to do. Yeah. I want them to take their stage, point it out. Mm. Not to save me, but to be part of the solution, opposed to, it's not mine. It's not mine. I can't, I can't take that. So is the question, how do we get men to be more like Drake? <laughs> if I'm a comedian, yes. <laughs> uh, oh, you bring them to recorders of the guilty feminists, sit them in the front row. <laughs> That's a start. Yeah. Did you bring Brandon? <laughs> you came with Brandon. You brought, so Brandon's never listened to the podcast before. We're going to ask him now. Brandon, would you listen to this podcast now? You would. Oh, I feel sincere. I think think that is part of it. I think you know that is how men get involved. I think it's platform for women, and it's platform, you know, relentless volume on what we say is acceptable. And I do, I really, the positive part of me is this change in consciousness. They're listening because it's not going away. It's not. I think they thought the shows like this. I Mm. think it's becoming part of the mainstream. So you say like Jim Jeffries doing on his show, you go yeah, because it's it's not this subculture anymore. They're like, have you been? this it's like no it's coming it's in the mainstream and so people don't people are selfish and we all are we all you know think about the world through our lens and if you've not had to think about it you know if you're white male you know doing all right western 
you sort of like the world's sort of fine in it <laughs> yeah that you know. is a really good point and i'll use an analogy that chris rock used there's a kind of saying we say when we talk about like race we say wow haven't black people progressed yeah black people have progressed no no, no. black people didn't progress white people progressed yeah. mm. you know that's, that's exactly what changed it. so in terms of patriarchy okay yes as women there are women who aren't feminists who you know we can still educate ourselves but generally like it won't change unless men mm. do what the men you, you named did and that's unfortunately the issue and that's why it'll be a circle until what needs to change changes yeah which is the issue i do feel like something's happening i do feel like there's a little earthquake going on because lots of men are saying i had no idea and some women are saying well then you weren't listening but then okay they weren't listening but if they are now then that's a good thing that's a positive thing i think it's really like the 70s or the 60s it is that change and there's shifting there's a lot of stuff coming on about you know we're all in this time and i think um at my most kindest and my most sort of like understanding when the world's changing you know especially older people you know they don't understand like you know i just touched a bum you can see like that's what they did and no one they because we didn't where women were raised to take it you know so they just all of a sudden they think women have gone mad do you know what i mean and then yeah. some you go they haven't we just had to take it then you know like, i read this interview with kathy burke and she said in the 70s men could tell you to get off the bus and move seat she said like, i just responded she went if man said move i just did wow she was like you know you just did you just did what men said if they said move in the chair you, you didn't row back you just sort of and people who were two years ago were saying we don't need feminism we've already got equality i wonder what they're thinking now because this was all just below the surface and it's come out and every day there are more names and more names and more names and more names and more women are getting braver until eventually it's sort of the whole world sort of standing up and saying, yes, this has happened to us countless times. It's happened to every woman I know. The truth of the matter is as well is when you get to a senior level, it's, like, it's all men mm. <laughs> anywhere. Do you understand what I mean? So when people say, like, what's it like being a woman in comedy? Like, like being a woman in any job, really, at yeah. senior level, um, is there's less of us. And that is the culture because they make the culture who's under them. You know what I mean? They are the culture makers. And now it's sort of like, no, we don't care because we're coming together like in mass, which the internet, for all Twitters, nearly give you a breakdown on a daily basis. You know, it does. You're it able also to share. Gives, it also women are able voice. to, you know, sort of mm. support you. I think, got you. Yeah, I think things are changing and I, I feel it in myself. <laughs> Athena, have you got anything you'd like to plug? Myself. <laughs> Yay! <Yeah. laughs> oh, guys, stop it. Yeah, I'm a stand-up comedian and I do shows all around the country. So you can go to my website, which is athenakablenu.co.uk. But if you can't spell my surname, just type in Athena Comedian. And there's only me because I got with the other ones. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's really nice when you've got a first name. So, yeah, so that's how you get to the top of the Google rankings. You just yeah. execute everyone with your name. No, I'm joking, obviously. And I'm on Twitter, Instagram, all those things. You'll, yeah, you'll see me around on things. <laughs> Great. So follow Athena Cablenu. Am it's, I saying your name correctly? Cablenu. Uh, is it? Yeah. All of this time? <laughs> Why did you not correct me before now? Because um, it's the podcast, isn't it? And it's just, oh, God. It's, I'm, it, go I'm sure and... you've said Kablenu before. Have I? Kablenu. Yeah. I think I you just said Kablenu just can't even now. say it now. <laughs> Keep that applause going. <laughs> <laughs> It's great when you've got a name that like is a comedian. So like, like Roshin, obviously Roshin comedian. Like there's not many. But then at one point, two other Roshins came out. Nah. And I was feral with rage. Nah. <laughs> it, like I lost two days. How petty is I, like, I literally took it like personally. I was like, but, like they didn't have the right to have the name and be comedians. <laughs> like, it was genuine in my darkest days. And my friend was like, sorry, I just need to clarify what I'm listening to. Are you saying that because they're called Roshin, they're not allowed to be comedians? I was like, I'm not saying it exactly like that. 
<laughs> but that's what I'm feeling right now. <laughs> I'll tell a quick cute story. I went to an audition the other day and I met another Athena and I had no right to be angry because she was Greek. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I was a bit angry. <laughs> yeah. You couldn't get more Greek. My, my darkest hour on this was once watching Would I Lie to You, which had seven seats, six male comedians and Deborah Meaden from Dragon's Den. Yeah. Now... I'm not saying I'm the funniest comedian in the world, <laughs> but of the two Debras, I can take her. <laughs> She's a famously grumpy entrepreneur. What the fuck? And I'm watching a panel show going six male comedians, and I'm still annoyed about no, it. She's, I don't blame her for taking the gig. And much like I wouldn't invest £50,000 in your business for 15% of the equity, that's <laughs> all I'm saying, because if I did, I'd, I, I, I wouldn't be able to mentor you properly. Uh, it would be a disaster. Roisin, what would you like to plug? Game face, I guess. <laughs> more positively <laughs> Game Face I guess um, my show Game Face is on um, all four you can watch it it's got six episodes I went really hard on it I'm trying to speak more positively about things I was sort of raised in a house where self praise is no praise but I know that's like not great so <laughs> I'm trying to be like it's quite good give it a watch it's really good if you haven't seen it, I really thoroughly recommend it. I really enjoyed it. I laughed out loud so much. If you in any way feel like your life is not perfect, but you're trying really hard, then Game Face is for you. I would like to plug Global Pillage, my diversity-based comedy panel show, which we're trying to get on radio or slash telly. So the more you come and support it, the more likely we will get that going. Tonight, this is a bit like on those television shows in the 70s where they used to say, <laughs> while staying in, this is what they used to do in Australia, while staying in Sydney, the artists have enjoyed staying at the Wall Street townhouse. Um, we had Haché tonight, Haché Burgers, because the Haché just dropped them off to be nice. There's this really fancy burger place near here. We're all vegetarians, so we had, <laughs> we had the vegetarian versions. Are you a vegetarian? No. No, okay. <laughs> Roisin isn't. We're try I'm trying to be. But it's a really lovely burger place, and it does veggie options, and it's right near here in Camden. Go and check it out. It's Camden's finest, and they just gave us uh, free burgers and chips. There was a moment, though, where Maz, who's the musician, who's lovely, I leaned over to get into the hache bag, and she went, oh, did you want me to pass you the salad? <laughs> and I froze, and I was like, yeah, yeah, that's what I was looking for. <laughs> wasn't at all looking for the chips so that's yes please pass me the salad and then I had to go <laughs> get the chips myself and if you see me uh, I also go to try yoga in Camden you can see me there crying in Pilates Sunday at 5.30 um, our charity of the week I feel like we need someone else to read this out because it's always someone else Brandon are you you're a CFO would you be alright reading out the charity of the week and pretending it's your own okay so come to the so there's a microphone there if you want to use it. Brilliant. I'll turn that on. Um, Just Emeline's go a bit pantry. closer to the microphone. Emmeline's Pantry is the <laughs> charity of the week. Uh, we're a women's food bank based in Manchester. Don't laugh through the charity of the week. This is like when you laugh through the song about eating disorders. <laughs> Sorry, Brandon, start. Go from the top, Brandon. Okay. Uh, the charity is Emmeline's Pantry. We're a women's-based food bank based in Manchester. We support women by offering fresh, halal dairy, fruit and veg, as well as the usual long-life foods, sanitary products, baby items and clothes. Unlike other food banks, we give women a choice of when they come in, so we never pre-bag items to ensure women have some control in what they eat or feed their families, despite having little or no money. We support women from all walks of life, including domestic abuse, sexual assault, homelessness, young mothers and mental health, 
Uh, our website is www.justgiving.com <laughs> slash Emeline's Pantry. Tom's going to be standing at the door. If you could put money in for Emmeline's pantry, or if you could give, if you're online and you like the sound of this charity and you think it's worthwhile giving to, it's justgiving.com forward slash Emily's pantry. Sorry, it's dub dub dub. <laughs> justgiving.com forward slash. How busy are you that you can't finish the word W? <laughs> He's a CFO. Dub dub dub. Let's keep it going, <laughs> people. <laughs> it's an Antipodean thing, isn't it? Dub dub dub. Yeah. It's a South African. Yeah, I, in Australia they say it on television. Dub it works. I, I don't see why we're saying W. No, no. Well, I would just leave it off now. I'm dropping the end of W. Dub, yeah. Who's on television the ads, they always do it in Australia. They go, in Australia they go, it's dub 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 madbarryscars.com. <laughs> always, always. So keep track of everything we're up to. You can follow Guilt Fem Pod on Twitter or the Guilty Feminist on Instagram. There is also a Facebook page you can like and a mailing list you can sign up to. And if you like what you hear, please go to what we're now supposed to call Apple Podcasts and rate, review and subscribe. It helps other people to discover us. I'm giving five stars. <laughs> and finally, to sing us out in the traditional Guilty Feminist style, the wonderful Mazza Connor. <laughs> At first I was afraid I was petrified Kept thinking I could never live Without you by my side But then I spent so many nights Thinking how you did me wrong And I grew strong And I learned how to carry on So you're back From outer space I just
got all my life to live I've got all my love to give And I'll survive I will survive Hey Mas O'Connor, that was us at the Guilty Feminist Thank you so much for coming out, good night You have been listening to the Guilty Feminist with me, Deborah Francis-White, guest co-host, Athena Cabrano, and our very special guest, Roshin Kanate. The recording engineer was Grundy Lazimbra. Music was by Mark Hodge of Mazo Connor. The producer was Tom Solitsky for The Spontaneity Shop. Thanks to Marie, Derek, Dominic, and everyone at the Roundhouse, as well as all of you for listening. For more information about this and other episodes, visit www.guiltyfeminist.com. People who are watching this going, we had no idea how many times Tom comes out because he edits those out. Um, but they're he's. Watching. We've been no, well, you're, they're watching in the audience now. Because right. <laughs> <laughs> normally they're listening. Oh, yeah, watching. Yeah. 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 We don't make them close their eyes through the show just because it's a podcast. Seems extreme. Oh, like Could you close your eyes, please? I thought it was just a listening gig. No. <laughs> yeah, she did request in her rider that the audience look away from her when she speaks. No direct. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Eye contact with Roisin Conaty or Roisin Canati. Um, 